I think she's starting to suspect something. Ooh. Your wife. Stop it! Hello, welcome to Troglodyte Horror and Cult Film Review Podcast. I am Loki Jesse, and with me, we have the founder and host of the Introverted Poet Podcast, Ileana Jade. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am so excited to be here. This is going to be a different experience for me since I'm usually the one that does the interview. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that. Like, wow, like, like the tables have turned here. Now you're the one in the spotlight, quote unquote. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, and this is like my first podcast, so I'm super like excited and I'm very thankful that you asked me to yeah. come on here. Well, first podcast outside of your podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be fun. So, um, for y'all those for those who don't know, but they should, um, Ileana Jade is the host and co-founder of the Introverted Poet Podcast. It is a podcast where the shy poet or storyteller can submit their works either in either in email or audio form and it gets to be a distributor out into the airwaves of the internet um her the stories on there range from either true crime love stories or ghost stories or any stories of every kind everybody's got a story and that is what your podcast podcast consists of am i right yes that's exactly correct because i i don't like it because i'm an educator which is why I have to do the Yana J thing. And oh, like, yes. my students are like, I'm not, I don't have a, like, I, I'm not a good writer. Like, I have no way I can write. And it's like, that's not true. We all have a story to tell. Yeah. It's just that you all don't know about poetic license yet. And that's something you get to once you're older. And that's where you start hearing that voice in the, what makes like Stephen King, Stephen King. Yes. And what makes Sandra Cisneros, Sandra Cisneros. And I'm like, you, we all have our own way of getting it out there and so they took off and it's like fifth graders they took off with like their own writing contest for halloween and that was totally like yeah i totally dug that into them and so they were they got into it so i'm like yeah like we we all have a story to tell whether it's um horror or not or like a date gone wrong which has probably been my favorite one to work on thus far yes like um i think it was last year's um Cause like I heard like all your, uh, I was a, a late bloomer, so like I heard all your shows like binging, and when it came to the Valentine's Day uh-huh. one from last year, it was like shit, like damn, like these, especially that one that like that the guy like found his the girl that he loved and his best friend. It's kind of like what the fuck. I know that was so shitty. I was just like. <gasps> When I was listening to it, I was like, oh, but I like how he got back at her. Like, and then, oh, Misty, dude, like the West Side Banana Man, that's like the name now for that dude. Like, and what's funny was that my my listeners from San Antonio called me and they're like, we know who she's talking about, but we're not going to say, but we know exactly who she's talking about. He's on billboards. We know who he is. This is a real person. He's on billboards? Shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I, I kind of wish now he was a politician. <laughs> but I think something like that, like I don't know, like but he's somebody prominent that's on billboards oh. that was married to his partner, but then because of I don't know, 
like she said, if they found like the caca banana or it's like <laughs> the scrunchie or whatever it was, like whatever was the straw that broke the camel's back that day, it caused the business to like split. So who knows what, like how much that cost them. <laughs> wow. And it just seems appropriate that the film that you chose was What Lies Beneath, which is... yeah. Um, a mixture of ghost story and crime story in one. And I have not seen this film until I was preparing for this podcast. So, it, and I'm like, wow, like this is pretty good. I mean, right. It's Michelle Pfeiffer is like so amazing. Um, uh, let me, um, before we get go into it, uh, let me just give a quick, uh, uh, summary. So, um, for those who have not seen What Lies Beneath, um, there is going to be heavy spoilers now. So, uh, be prepared. And the film goes off like this. So, the film is centers around, uh, Claire Spencer, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and her husband, um, Dr. Norman Spencer. And their teenage daughter is just about to leave for college. So she goes off to college. Uh, Claire is feeling a little bit of emptiness. And then all of a sudden, things start happening around the house. And as that happens, you notice like some mysterious thing is happening with her neighbors who moved in three months before. So Claire starts being a nosy neighbor. And she feels that the wife is being abused and then murdered. And she starts sort of losing it. And she thinks that the presence that's in her house is the neighbor that is dead. She does a seance. And with her friend who doesn't take it seriously. But once the friend leaves, there is like a whole bunch of shit happening to her. Claire freaks out, goes to Norman at his office, tells him what is happening. And he basically just brushes her off a few times, even sends her to a therapist. But Claire is determined that no, like the her neighbor killed his wife and she ends up confronting him and at the college and then it turns out that the wife is not dead she just took off for a while so then claire feels embarrassed but yet the strange things keep on happening in her house it is then when a picture frame that has fallen down three times falls down another time and breaks as she notices that there is a newspaper clipping well it's a newspaper clipping and in the back she reads about a missing girl and she finds out that that is the girl that is haunting her house. She wants to know why. She starts to investigate. And through her investigation, she finds out that this girl was having an affair with her husband. She confronts Norman. He tries to back it off in a way. But it is when Claire gets possessed by the girl, um, uh, uh, Melissa. Melissa. Elizabeth. Yeah, Melissa. Elizabeth. Frank. What? I thought it was Madison. Madison, 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 Elizabeth, Madison, Elizabeth Perth. Yes, yeah. For, so, so, like, uh, that is when Norman starts to believe her. Uh, uh, Claire had taken a braid of Melissa uh, Madison's hair from her mother when she went to go visit the mother, and they burn it, thinking that the spirit is released, but it's not. As Claire keeps on investigating more, she finds out that dun dun dun, her husband did kill the girl. And now he wants to kill her because he cares more about his life. And then it becomes a life and death struggle. Um, miraculously, Claire is able to um, survive and her husband gets his comeuppance. And the film ends with uh, Claire visiting uh, Madison's grave. 
So, um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, first of all, I did not like Harrison Ford in this film. He was, yeah, it, he, he's so shitty. He is. It's like, I knew he, he's always done these kind of like, like cool, shitty, like asshole types, but like always like the rogue, the badass, like the Han Solo, the, the Indiana Jones, the, the Jack, the Jack Ryan. He's always been that kind of a, of a grim, grit person. And now it's like, holy shit, he is a shitty, grim, grit of a husband. <laughs> He's just terrible. Yeah. Because he, he takes advantage of, like, the fact that she loses her memory after that car accident she has. So he totally is like, okay, cool. I'm going to sweep this under the rug. And now we're just going to, like, you know, everything's going to be coming up my roses. Like, he oh. essentially had a babe. Yes, he Oh my god, like, he is, it's just, it, honestly, it feels like he wasn't in the movie as much as he, like, he's a star and top billing, but it just doesn't feel like he's completely in there. And it's like two movies in one. Yes. At first, you're like, okay, like, what's going on with the neighbor? Like, what's going on here? And then you're like, well, wait a minute. She, and wait, what? She was his student. Why is that important? So that's when you start getting into it and it's like i like how it's like super realistic too because like i'm pretty sure there's some college professor who had an affair and like killed somebody oh yes definitely <laughs> like that 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 shit's been going around since the 60s or before then it's still happening but oh and when they're um at the dinner when when um when 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 they when they're fashion oh I love how she said it fashionably late because it reminds me of yeah. it reminds me of my bestie who's like who's like oh fashionista and like and if uh, that is just like something I could hear her say fashionably late bestie sorry but um but when they it's get a girl there, thing. yeah it's a girl thing when they get there and she sees that she knows the other wife and it's just so weird because like you would think. That the wives would be sitting across each other and the husbands across each other, but they're crisscross. So it's like the conversation, it's the conversations like, like across from each other and then across. It's, it's weird. It's like, how can you not be annoyed? Like, like, but just like the dual conversations happening at the same time. And, and then you see, yeah, like, and, it's just, and I think. I'm sorry. I think no. it's just symbolism to show how like out of touch she is with it, because like that accident like really messed with her. Yes, and then and then the husband is having that that conversation with his colleague, where he says, "Yeah, they caught uh, this other professor um, with a stalking incident," and then uh, Norman's yeah. all like, "Oh, they still do that?" Or like the way he said it, it's kind of like like he meant to me. It was like they still punish you for that or I can't believe somebody's still doing that when they can punish you. It's, you don't know what he means. That's how I took it. How did you take it? Yeah. And like, um, cause I saw this when I was like maybe 10 or 11 and I still have the original DVD. I have it up in my closet. Cool. I don't let anybody touch it. It's that what lies beneath and silence of the lambs are my like favorite all time just because like who doesn't love Hannibal Lecter but with this one's just because like it's I feel like what lies beneath was so underrated everybody was more like Freddy versus Jason at that time yeah. everybody went towards that and it's like 
okay, I get it. You get your two slasher kids in one film and who's going to be top dog. That's, I understand that. And I, and I have Freddy versus Jason too. But this one, I just like all like the twists and turns of it, like all the intricacies and like the web of lies Norman essentially built just so he wouldn't get his reputation ruined. So he would keep his like happy family yeah. and have this one incident go away. Like it reminded me of like, Don Draper kind of meets Ted Bundy, but not as extreme, but the narcissism and selfishness is there. Yes. Especially when she comes to like, tell him about that seance and just the way he turns it around is just like, is this because I'm working too much? It's like, why right now? Like he just like spins it around and makes himself the victim. And it's like, yes, yeah. classic narcissism. It's just, just there it's what uh, oh yeah like he like no accountability on the affair no accountability on killing madison and like he was definitely willing to like kill claire when it came like when she was ready like okay this is a non-negotiable i'm not gonna do this with you yes and then um bridge scene <laughs> oh god yes the bridge and that was so foreshadowed and it, it, it always um I always love this trope in, in, uh, in, in film, especially mysteries or any film that if you introduce something in the first act, you damn well better, sh you damn well better use it in the third act because it's kind of foreshadowing. And that whole thing of the bridge and that the cell phone needs, like, yeah, the, the old block phones at the time that it, it can only work and it's when it's halfway on the bridge and they just, you know, like they remember that part. It's like good storytelling there. Like, and like again, like this is like so influenced by Hitchcock. Like uh, the director was Zemeckis, was it? No, yeah, it was Zemeckis. Uh, I have it on my notes here. Yeah. Yes, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, he the one guy who did Back to the Future did is like, <laughs> like, like Hitchcock homage to this. And like you said, it's like two things in one because did you? And I, I never knew the name of this type of a genre film, but. Did you ever hear about the woman in the window genre films? They're usually like lifetime films, but it's always like, it's, you know, it's like a mystery for like, there's like a woman in the window that's always looking out or yeah. kind of like the rear view, rear, no rear, rear window with uh, Jimmy Stewart, another Hitchcock yeah. one. But again, like looking out the window and stuff like this was that genre and a ghost story in one. So yeah. it really just twisted around here and there like you don't know where you're going yeah because you think you have it solved one way but then it, the ghost kicks in and you're like wait what there's ghosts involved now like holy cow and then when the seance like goes wrong for them like where they freak out at one point but it's just Cooper coming in i think or then the second time it's norman and then when the whole power goes off they get scared like yeah like, oh, i remember being young and getting scared too and being like ah <laughs> oh my god that dog was so cute though like cooper and then yeah he's a cute such dog. a cutie yes i love oh, or yeah. like the hairlock scene oh yes you know i forgot about that scene on the desk like the i guess like the wild sex on the desk was like i remember it being parodied in scary movie 2 with the, oh, yeah. with, the yeah. with the great Tim with Curry, the yeah, and the great Tim Curry, yeah, and then uh, with the nipples all <laughs> like out of control. But 
it's I just know. it's just like like t- like oh wow hey did, so this is where scary movie two got it from like shit yes, they got it from what lies beneath and what's cool is that they were so careful in picking the actress for madison they made sure she was basically michelle pfeiffer's double yeah so that, like at one point most people didn't notice that it, it was amber at one point on top of harrison ford oh. like i went back to see that scene and i saw the youtube comments of people like dude i just realized that it's amber halfway through the scene i'm like yes and that's why he freaks out and like throws her i didn't notice it like i like i saw this film like three times and i and i honestly i did my best to pay attention but i didn't notice a change i i didn't well for me it's a comfort movie when i'm feeling sad or don't know what i'm doing i'll I'll watch that or silence of the lamp it's weird i do that or the golden girls uh, can't go wrong with the golden girls no you can't i'd love me a good old sophia and blanche (laughs) i love the rose back in saint Uh, ola No, I have my my coffee mug here. That's like quiet, you trash. Blanche, <laughs> right yeah, there. Yeah, I see it there. Like, oh, at, I usually at work when I'm telling um my work best friend um when I tell her a story, I always do the the Sophia thing. Like, picture it, Laredo, 1982. I was just <laughs> I, I'll do that sometimes. <laughs> no, my storytelling leads more into like Fran Drescher when she's talking. About like one of her crazy relatives. Oh, <laughs> do you do the voice? <laughs> I will, like do have a distinctive voice, and my voice carries. Like they'll be like, I'll be like so and so. I'm like, oh no, he didn't hear me. And then he'll be like, I heard you down the hall, Miss So and So. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, yes, um, Michelle Pfeiffer really carried this film, and it's weird because I. I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer, but I don't see that many films with her. But when I do end up seeing a film with her, it she just knocks it out of the park. I mean, she just, like like I said, she carried this film. But just her her eyes, are, her eyes, the way her hair is, like, just the way she carries herself. She just, like, really, like, she just did a good And this was something that she really wasn't interested in doing. It's... Or she wasn't that. What's the word I'm looking for? Because I read that she wasn't really like, like familiar with this type of film style or something, and but this kind of like helped her along the way because I remember her in a Stardust, which is one of my favorite films, and she she totally killed it in that one too. So <laughs> she's just awesome. Yeah, she knocked. She till this day, it, she's my favorite Catwoman. Yes. That uh, yeah, I I I um like uh close next to um yeah she's right there on top, um and Hathaway is also there too. But uh I, I, like I told you um earlier, blondes are gonna be the death of me, cause she and, and those piercing blue eyes she has, my God, she is oh and she's she reminds me of the original actress uh from when the stranger calls like the oh. big big eyes like. Yes. Where she's just like that. Uh, that look. That's the. That's what. That's what made. Like that's what gave it to me. Like that's what I was like. Okay. Like she's taking it back to like classic black and yeah. white horror films where it's like the clock's coming from inside the house and she's like, oh. Yes, because and that is like and again like this. This is so like Hitchcock influence and 
and just like Hitchcock, like you know, like they they picked the blonde actress, and well, Zemeckis couldn't envision anybody but Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford in these roles, and even even like uh, Harrison Ford's character Norman is named off of Psycho, so it yeah Norman Bates it really plays well into this, into everything, even the fact that like. Wow, it just blew my mind. I just realized that yeah, like Norman killed, like um, Psycho Norman killed people and drowned them and put their bodies in the lake, and that's exactly what Harrison Ford did. Oh my god, I just realized that right now. Yeah, wow, I can't believe it took me a while to realize that. But <laughs> but there's like oh yes, um, what I was getting at, what I was gonna say before I got sidetracked with that um, is that. No, I think I did say that that Hitchcock always loved having um blonde women as his leads. And and like if Hitchcock were alive today, like and if he was doing this, he would have probably picked Michelle Pfeiffer in doing this role. Cause I didn't say I can't see anybody else doing it but Michelle Pfeiffer. And Right. And honestly, I dare say that this is the type of film and, and this is kinda like what I said um when I talked about the fly. That this film, this story, it only has two main characters and a bunch of supporting characters. So this film itself could transition to the stage real well. Like they could just like set up a, you know, like like a like a rotating stage with like the living room and the bedroom and like the outside, and they could just have like two actors just do like you know Claire and Norman. And just have like two or two or three people, just like you know, rotate the supporting cast, like you know, change different characters. I, I believe that this film can work on a stage, just just with just by itself like that. Because the, the the yeah, sorry, yeah, it could. Because um, I think that's how The Birds is actually written by Hitchcock. Because I remember reading it in high school, and it wasn't like I don't think it was written norm like like a novel i think it was written more like a playwright like you're gonna read it and you're gonna act it and i think it has act if i'm not mistaken i'm not I, i'm not too sure that was like almost 17 years ago but i want to say like in the birds it's just the girl and like those couple of survivors trying to like ride out the tides and the birds going nuts i think it's twiggy the actress is twiggy Wow, I, I never knew The Birds was a novel. That's so cool. I don't know if it's a novel or a play, but I remember it coming out of my Scholastic thing, and we had to read it for sophomore English. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And we did the audio book, too. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to have to look into that. I'm kind of curious now. But I know that... Because I love Hitchcock. He's my favorite direct filmmaker of all time. Like I, I, I miss the Hitchcock channel. I remember... I don't know if Satellite or Time Warner at the time had it, but it was a channel of nothing but like twenty-four hour Hitchcock channel, like movies. Ooh, did you ever watch um the Alfred Hitchcock Hour or like that series? That would be like, it was like yeah, it was Alfred Hitchcock presents, and it was kind of like the Tales from the Crypt before Tales from the Crypt, or kind of like a Twilight Zone. Yes, but- I think that's what it was that I was talking about. Yes, and he comes out conducting the band and it's in black and white right yeah it's like there's that drawing and then like he kind of goes with the outline and he's always like the good evening and he just like presents the story and then like the narration 
and it's so cool that even that that show continued on even until the 80s and they still use like those old clips of Hitchcock introducing these stories and I, I remember growing up with that and he like yeah like he's just has like so much influence in all the film that like like almost every director has to try and do a Hitchcock story or a Hitchcock feel to it like this was Semeckis and honestly I can't think of uh, any other directors that have done it because you know I didn't I didn't do my research well enough, but there are some directors that have done like their own type of a Hitchcock film. And this is one of them. Like the 39 steps. Did you ever see that when it was a play here in Laredo? No. Was it, was it good? Like, no, like I don't go out enough and that's the issue. Like I just, I'm a hermit. Like I'll stay in. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, I'm definitely a kid with hermit too. I'm a troglodyte. Um, well, that's the name of the show. Um, yes, um, my friends when I work with them, um, well, yeah, my uh, they're not together no more. But when they were together, um, the her the uh, my friend Jerry was in the Thirty Nine Steps, and it was performed over there in um in downtown at the Theater Arts or the Art Gallery Plaza, and it was just four actors. Oh, okay, okay. It was like um he was the he was only playing one role. And and then there was like three other actors, and they were all like shifting roles. Like the female was playing like three different characters. Uh, she was like, of course, a love interest, but she was also playing like a a, a neglected wife, and then uh, a spy. And then the other two uh, actors, the other two actors were they were playing like ten different roles, and they were just like rotating back and forth. And it, it um, the original film. Uh, the original film is taken seriously, but this one uh, was done more for laughs. But still, like mm. it was pretty good. And yes, it's it was a thirty nine steps. It's a Hitchcock film. Well, actually, yeah, mm-hmm. Hitchcock did it um, twice. He like did the original and then he remade it. So it's like two different eras. I have to see that if he did it twice, I have to see. Also, Rebecca. I haven't seen Rebecca, but I heard so much about Rebecca. So. They actually made a series on Netflix of it. But, yeah, this Hitchcock. I have to get that Funko Pop of Hitchcock now that I think about it. Oh. But, so, you were 10 when you first saw this film? Or I like, want to say, I was, like, in either I was in middle school. I was definitely not in high school. Like, I was either 6th or 7th grade. Like, I was nowhere past that. Like, but I watched it and was, like... Cause I was like a chicken. I didn't like anything that was too gory or or slasher until I got older. So like more psychological thrillers were my thing. Like that's why I think I gravitated towards Silence of the Lambs and like also this weird movie that I can never find. It's called The Eye Inside, and it's about this guy that ends up beating like re- go, repeating a murder over and over again. And then he ends up in a mental hospital. I think it's Ryan Phillippe as the main actor. And like he ends up in a mental hospital and he's trying to get out of it and prove that he didn't kill somebody, but he ends up going back to the same murder scene that got him into the institution. It's either called the I inside or the R inside. I can never get the title right. And because I saw it just randomly off of Showtime after what lies beneath, I was like, this seems okay. Wow. And it's super, yeah, and it's really weird. And I wanted to keep watching, but don't know. But what lies beneath, 
it's been a staple in my household forever. Like once it's Halloween time, I'm like, all right, bust this one out and sign for that. Cool, because I know that one with Ryan Phillip, he sounds so interesting. But um, do you think this film kind of like influenced your um love of true crime, or like like those whole the ghost stories that you've done on your, your podcast? Like, like this did this film play a part in it? Yes, because I remember. That's funny that you mentioned it. I just got a memory and I just got a flashback from middle school. It was hilarious. I wrote a script that was kind of similar to what lies beneath, but it was more about like a bridge and about some guy that like killed his love interest and threw her over the bridge and her ghost came back to haunt the group. But it was more like of a group thing and there was no Ouija boards involved. It was just like a haunting through and through and that's that. But, and then I remember like printing it out and giving it to my friends and one of my friends kept it and I think she used it for a film project. Oh, we lost touch. Her name's Daniela Astrid, but I, I don't know if she's on Facebook or not. I don't know what, what came of it. Like, she's like, I'm going to keep your script and edit it here and there. Can I? I was like, yes, you may go for it. Have fun with it. Cause I'm not going to assemble a film through anytime soon. So I don't know what happened with that, but yeah, I want it. It, it did. It influenced that piece. But um, for the other stories, I usually like just marathon like forensic files or i'll go and watch true crime channels on youtube like um crap i can't remember the tip of, uh because they work with that how to catch a killer box that they give you like a bunch of evidence and you have to decipher like oh. what happened I, I forgot what the channel's called but he goes over like he goes over like the most obscure crimes and he also has another channel called um, After Dark, where they'll give you a crime and you have to solve it Ooh. on the channel. Yeah, it's called After Dark, that channel. And I also like Mr. Nightmare, where people will submit like scary stories like that'll happen to them, like encounters, true Snapchat encounters at the gym and how like this one dude will, ch- like it, it's insane. So- some of the stuff he reads and also top five unknowns. Wow. Those are like, yeah, they did one on La Llorona, and I was like, wow, like, top five unknown. That was about La Llorona. Oh, yes. Uh, I was going to – I can't wait for us to um tackle that subject because there's, like, so much, like, about Yolona that, like, is – I always had a hard time saying it, and I'll probably repeat myself when we get to when we get there. But I always had a hard <laughs> time saying that name because I would um, – my Spanish is not good. Um, I always get frowned upon or – I don't speak it that much, so I'm more of an English person. Sorry um, to your listeners out there, but um, but like I always pronounced it like with I always try to say it with an L, and I I swear to God, I swear to God, I sat down and I typed and I looked up the pronunciations and I read about the pronunciations, and then I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be with a U. I had to like do a U, a U, no, a Y in Spanish. I have to. Do yeah, it like oh, I, yes, yeah. I I that like forty years, like you know, like t- uh, <laughs> uh, not forty, uh, thirty eight years that I've been speaking in this world. I finally realized I've been saying that all wrong. But yes, that is a that is an episode that I, I cannot wait for us to do, so we could tackle that subject and like just all about the, the films and the story and and things like that. But but I remember um. Your episodes, your um summer vacation episodes, 
Is that what it was called? Yeah. Because I, I summer of 1996. Right now, I'm working on spring break 1997. Yes. It's just like I hit a wall creatively, so I'm just like. I'm going to leave it alone for a while and then come back to it. It's like already 60-some pages in. Cool. And I'm just like halfway. Because <laughs> I just realized as we were talk as we're talking here that I see a little bit of Norman and Ethan. Especially him like when he's kidding the girls and he says that like, you know, you're going to ruin my life and everything. And it's just like, like, boom, that is what, like, what Norman told Claire. Like, you know, like. And especially what he told them uh, about, like, hitting the other girl, like... You have no idea what it was like. Hold her underwater. Watch her life slip away. But she gave me no choice. And neither of you. She was going to go to the teens. He was going to ruin everything, everything I built for. And it's just like, damn, those are like the power. It was kind of paraphrasing what Ethan was telling um, his victims. So it's like, and, and it's just like, wow. Like, and it's just great storytelling. Like that was great stuff. The film was great storytelling. And how do you present it? Um, summer of 97, right? Or 87. Yeah, summer of 1987. Yeah, that was like, you nailed it, especially with the big reveal. Because again, like, like we don't see um, Norman's uh, character. Like, we just see him as as like a husband that is so into himself, narcissistic. We don't really, we kind of get hints that maybe he's a kidder, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's just... blindsided. Yes. Because I never saw the trailer. I never saw the trailer. It was just like one of those, like we're all spending the night at an aunt's house and we're going to watch scary movies from like the blockbuster at the time. Yeah. And um, that was one of the movies they rented. And that was one of the ones my aunt and uncle were like, this is the one you kids can watch because it's not that bad compared to like Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. Halloween H2O. So like those were the kinds of movies that were on the no-no list for me. So, so that's the one we would watch, and so that one I got into, and then they would also let us watch like The Matrix, but that wasn't scary. Nah, that was just um, uh, how do you say like CGI graffiti, not graffiti, but like vomit. Like could say it was like a lot of CGI. Not them saying it was a bad yeah. film; it was a good film, but it was just um, the sequel was really overdone. That's that's something else completely. But Rene Descartes went extreme. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but it's just that. That reveal and the way that you wrote Ethan in the summer of 1997, like, and I even told you, I even messaged like, you know, it's like, don't tell me, no, I'm not. It's like, it's Ethan, isn't it? Is he the gator? Like, but then like, okay, no, it can't be. But I like Ethan for the next one. Yeah. So it was just. I like Ethan for the next one. I wrote that down. (laughs) It was just like very. Because again, like um, what lies beneath, it's like you at first you're thinking it's the neighbor. It's a story that has to do with like with Claire being a nosy neighbor, and and like yes, if there's if it's a ghost, then it's the dead wife. But then it just the twist turns it around. It's just like the first act you think it's a neighbor, and then the second act, okay, it's a ghost story, and then the third act, it's like oh, it was Harrison Ford. Like fuck, like. 
Cause like I'm think, cause like at first you're thinking like, well, maybe the neighbor killed the girl, maybe the kid or killed Madison, and the husband and Harrison Ford is just um, um, a bad husband. But yeah, cause just because you know he had an affair, like what what husband doesn't like how like just because he's a lusty a husband doesn't mean he's a murderer technically, yeah. like you know, oh innocent until proven guilty. And then going on to that part where like. When like he confesses to the affair, and he's and when, uh, when he throws it at at, at oh god affair Claire that's how that rhymes so much I hope I don't confuse anybody but when he confesses about the affair, and he goes and throws it back on Claire like you were a single mother and a child you were desperate for me to come again painting himself as a savior instead of. He was just so terrible. And this is his only horror film. His entire resume. And this is his only horror film. Really? Because, yeah. like, I started comparing him to Liam Neeson. I don't know why I do that. Why I compare Harrison Ford to Liam Neeson. And I'm like, I've seen Liam Neeson be a bad guy more than I've seen Harrison Ford be a bad guy. I I don't remember. Like, I only know one other and film I've where he was a bad guy. Liam Neeson up there. And and Harrison Ford up there, like they're like I see them like in the same level and acting range. And like Liam Neeson was a good Russell, like he caught you off guard. You're like, what the fuck? You were supposed to be helping Batman, you jerk! Like, no. And you know, uh, it's a, I only remember Harrison Ford being a bad guy in um, American Graffiti, but I don't remember him ever being a bad guy again until this film. Like, unless you want to count Temple of Doom, where he was, like, mind control, but he's... I don't remember him being much of a bad guy. He's always been, like, the star, like, or... Like, yeah, I know he was... Of. I know he was, like, an asshole in, um... In that film, Hollywood Caught with Joss Hartlett, where <laughs> that was just, like, a... That was just a paycheck to him. But poor Joss Hartlett. <laughs> <laughs> but he's never really played much many bad guys so it's weird to see him play a bad guy it's just yeah because i know you brought it up that like you know it's you had mentioned that it's so out of character quote-unquote like for him to do this yeah because it shows you his range as an actor too because like like i said when it was the reveal time when i first saw it and i was like oh my god like norman and really did do this and wait she, there was a car accident and she hit her head what and he took advantage of that and totally played it so that like hey you got everything under control and nothing's gonna ruin because like also you have to think about his reputation as a professor in academia yes. like where they are held to a standard of like you cannot do any wrong or basically like like the president like if they mess up you're going to be thrown out oh and yeah society. so he was probably really like no i can't be like the well scientist that had an affair with a student and murdered her like i can't let that go out there because again the narcissism also he was uh, a daddy's boy kind of because you know he always he wanted to suppress his father and he that yeah. claire had mentioned about like he always gets silent when his father gets brought up or something because he's again yeah, he, it hits a nerve yes yeah, so it hits a nerve because like, he just wants to like I guess he never got much love with daddy or daddy didn't take him out to play catch or something. He was just like, 
I think the father. That validation. Yeah, the validation. It's like, look, Dad, I got an A, like an A. I would have got like an A plus. Doctor and professor, he was like a chemist, right? Yes, he was. Uh, now, like, he became like in the researcher field, where he yeah, had like, to have was, like, projects. One of those where you get grants to do your experiments, so like you get a lot of money from the state to do what you want, basically. That's that was the part that I was talking about the the, the first act with the drug and the paralyzing drug, and then it comes back around and it plays. He uses it on Claire. And then he uses it on the mice, and then he uses it on her. And then he's, he's right there taunting her, like. I can't figure out how you put it all together. First, I thought you knew that you created the whole ghost thing as some kind of an elaborate trap. Then I realized you believed it. It's a passive aggressive masterpiece. At first, I thought you were discovered and trying to get me to confess, but then I realized that you're just a, oh my god, like, he was, like, so close to just saying, her, you're just a crazy bitch, or something. <laughs> Jesus, man. He was trying to get her committed, too, like, he even, like, to the point that he revealed that, like, yeah, at one point I was trying to get you committed just to get you off my back, but that didn't work, and then this happened, and then things I couldn't explain. Yeah, like, and that's when the ghost started taking over as to kind of help her because she knew that, hey, Michelle, Claire alone wasn't going to be able to do it. Like, she was going to probably end up getting killed, too. Oh, and one thing that we have to mention was the fact that he staged, like, if he got electrocuted. Right? It's, it's and it's just like, oh my God, like, because, like, he even said to himself, like, I had to sit there in the cold water waiting for you to make you think that I almost died. Again, that whole manipulation, mind control that, like, you'd be lost without me if I were to die. The length he's willing to go to. Yes. My God. Like, it's crazy. Like, I have yet to meet, like, I have, and I'm, I'm sure you have, uh, like, I have met a narcissistic person before, and, but I have not yet met, met one that would go to those lengths. It's. Well, it goes to spectrum. Yeah. Apparently, like it ranges in shifts. Where I was like, the higher you go, the crazier they are. Like they're the more likely they are to make the news for killing somebody. Where, but most of the time, we deal with the ones that like are in middle to low. Yeah. And it, it and it's not that it's not like that bad. It's just more like these like petty drama. Like oh my god, so so was talking bad about so and so like little things like that. Yeah. Whereas Norman's like a complete control freak because they're always triangulating, hence why they're always having the affairs. But he didn't want to lose because I guess he would have to like pay like half of alimony or oh, something yes. like that. Like and that too. So I, I don't know if that was touched upon. I don't remember. Uh, Probably I, not. But that I'm just assuming, like theory wise. Uh, I would have to assume that most. Um, spousal murders happen because they don't want to share the alimony or the kids I, I'm, I'm just guessing like, like I don't know I haven't done a statistics yet or a stats the recent the most recent killer that reminds me of the Harrison Ford killer is Chris Watts the one who like killed his wife and babies and threw them in the in the oil tank or something like that yeah. uh, that's weird that, because he even played it out like, like oh I don't know what happened I don't know I don't know. I don't know. And the neighbors were like, 
Yes. Oh my god, like there is this um <laughs> there's this YouTube channel I, I see called Coffee House Crime where he talks about like mm-hmm. like all these true crimes. Um he mentions that one to Chris Watts and then he mentions another one that was in um Aust- I think I don't know if it was Australia or South Africa. But for he literally did the same thing. He hired some people to like kidnap his wife and then kill him just so he wouldn't have to pay alimony and just so he can keep his uh, little side piece. It's oh, it's so crazy. Damn. But that's usually what happens. Like on Snap too, like the women always want to kill the husband for like the insurance policy so they can't like run off with their lover. But I don't think Norman was gonna run off with a lover. I think he was just gonna find somebody like another placeholder and keep it moving. I- imagine, okay, just so just just spitballing out here. But imagine if he it, it, like he would have worked. Then if there was a sequel, then it would then they would have to do with the daughter trying to piece it all together. Oh, that would have been a good. That would have been a good movie. Should have been like, a, it's my stepdad. I know, it, I know, it's him. And then that would have been like the plot twist. Of, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, he wasn't her real dad. <laughs> but it's just ah, oh, like wow, like there's like so much in here too. Like it, it, it could go either way. But like, um, I am honest. I, I liked it. I liked the film a lot. I didn't think I would like it to be honest. Um, but I did like it, and I saw it three, you know, three times just to like prepare and like you know get my ducks in a row but it was a good film man and now we come to the part of the show where we're gonna rake this bama jamma um sorry i didn't mean to plagiarize that that line because <laughs> i heard another podcast <laughs> uh but yes uh so um uh one being the lowest one being the lowest uh five being the highest where do you rank this in your list i didn't mean to make that right just uh, just because like the nostalgia and how it you know makes my inner child happy for whatever reason i'm gonna give it like a five because there's really nothing like this out there like all like the different twists and turns of it of like gosh now this is happening oh my gosh norman got attacked in the shower but no he didn't like all these different things on the hairlock thing the bridge the medicine it just had a lot but it wasn't like okay this is too much i can't handle it, it like it makes sense to me, at least. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give it um, because this was my first time viewing and I liked it. I'm gonna say a, a you know a four. I'm gonna give it a four because I did like it. I did like it a lot. And you're right. Um, at this time, um, in in films as they come out, the films that come out now, there we don't get many films that are this like if 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 the uh, that are this like you know with a mystery and a twist. Like if they do come out. I probably haven't watched them or they haven't been on my radar. The closest one that I could think of um, was the, um, Ray Johnson's, um, no, Rain Johnson's um, Knives Out. That was a pretty I good. I love that movie. Yes. That... And I every time I watch it, I notice something different. Yeah. And I got my mom into it. And oh my gosh, I am in, like, that's the only blonde I'm in love with, Daniel Craig. <laughs> Yeah, he's totally cute. Uh, I'm, 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 conf- I'm not confident. Um, what's the word? Oh, I was like, I'm in love with David Tennant. I'm like, but he's not British. He's Scottish. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with the Scots? Um, no, they, yeah, yeah. I'm I okay. I'm okay. With, I'm okay with my masculine. Just say that hey, Daniel Craig is a cutie. Um, so it's a uh, Chris Klein. No, not Chris Klein. What's his name? Um, uh, God, he was Captain America. Fuck, I forgot. Chris- 
No, not Chris Pine. That's freaking um. Chris Pine is that's a, Trevor. Yeah, that's that. That's Kurt. The new Kurt. That's from Wonder Woman. Yeah. Freaking uh, he's the one that has the banana spit in his butt and on their <laughs> team. Chris Evans. Evans. Chris Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. Oh, but. That's but, how I remember Captain America. That's how I first met Captain America. That's okay, how everybody children, met Captain America. Jade was born in the early 1990s, and Chris Evans was not Captain America. He was some douche with a banana up his butt, and you can look that up. <laughs> um, but uh, but there's like we don't, and if they're if they're out there, um, please refer them to me. But there is not that many films that come out nowadays that are very um, Hitchcock inspired or have that Agatha Christie kind of feel to it or exactly uh, what I was about to say it. And that's one of, that's my favorite Doctor Who episode the one, The Mystery of Agatha Christie. Yes. Oh and I just love Donald my, shines in that episode. When my when my best friend Yvette when she was having a baby, like you know, I referred I, I said like, oh Carter Agatha. Agatha Christie. Like I know people like are saying like, oh Agatha because of WandaVision, which was good. But to me the only Agatha that I know is Christy because she was the best, one of the best. And yes, maybe her writing is kind of a little bad when it first came out. And they're kind of fixing that now. But, you know, her mysteries were very good. If you ever seen um, uh, Pedro or Hercule Pedro, um, any of his like uh, BBC uh, short films, you should check them out because they're like, well, like it's Agatha Christie, but like it's all like, the way that she would write him, like dissect the dissecting the cases and not, not dissecting, but um, detecting the cases and going to things, she like did. Oh, uh, it, it was really good, and and it, it's just a, a a good show, and like all of his stories were put in the in the made into a, a series on BBC. So, uh, Perot, that's a that's what the show is called, and it's the same I actor playing him, and. Yeah, because um, okay, that's what I kind of like getting diverged now a bit, but yeah, because um, the new films like the Murder on Orient Express and the Death in the Nile, they're okay, but they're they just like really like updated the. Oh, well, I haven't seen Murder on Express, but it's I was about to ask about that one. Like, is it any good? It looks interesting, but I just haven't gotten around to it. it I just understand that there's like a murder on the train, and let's see what happens the whole story is good just like the whole overall story is good but the way and that they executed it with um with kenneth braff and everything it's too updated and too um not them saying diverse is bad but it's just like it's very um it has a little bit of something for everybody to make it happy so they sacrificed oh. some of the original story to um to make it more updated. It still it still has the setting. So cool. A cash grab. Yes, it, it still has like the the the, the setting and um in the in the time frame, but it's just like a lot of things were kind of like modernized. Like some people were were different races. Like you know, a race was changed or a gender was changed. Or something. So, but the overall of it is still no. But well, I haven't seen it. But like I know pretty much the ending. So I haven't seen the execution of it. But I pretty much know that it was just like you know updated to make 
everybody happy and give it more of a of a feel for it's an equal playing field of different uh people and regions and stuff like that so that's all i'll say about it but i know that knives out is what it could have been like the way that the knives out was done with ray johnson if he were to have tackled the murder or an express he probably would have did it a little bit better i'm just saying but i don't know okay because it, it it's funny that you mentioned murder on the orient express because it boiled down that day to either murder on the orient express which i have on blu-ray i got it as a gift and i have not opened it in four years and knives out and we just voted knives out and we were like wait a minute and it's one of those movies where you, you watch it every single time and you get something new out of it same thing with what lies beneath like I didn't connect that it was Norman for Norman Bates. I was like, wait a minute, like these writers thought about everything. Like I wouldn't have thought, like I, I just thought it was just like let's give him like a Joe Schmo name or whatever and keep it at that. See, that's the thing. I I feel that like uh, what makes a good mystery is that, or like a good uh, mystery film or a sleuth. That's what they're usually called. They're usually called sleuth films, but. Mm-hmm. What makes them good is that when you go back and look at them, you're able to see things you didn't notice. And when it, 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 it of course, it, that can happen in any film, but when it's a a, a, a a sleuth film, you see these things and you're like, oh shit, so that's how he was able to connect A to B because he found C. And it's like, you know, like finding C is like, wow, like, it, it, and I feel that um, this updated version of Mur- uh, Murder or an Express, I, I think they might have, like, not done that. Again, I haven't seen it. I would have to see it to, like, to, like, do, like, a final judges. But I just, uh, I just know that, like, um, since I, since I read the book and then I saw, like, uh, an adaptation of it on that uh, BBC series Paro, which was pretty good, it's just very good. And so it's just with this new film that they put a lot of, and they put a lot of stars into that film. They did a lot of stars, like in that that Johnny Depp. And that's, and that's what kind of scares me. Every time it's nothing but top stars, I, I feel like it's nothing but a cash grab. And I'm like, no, because if it was good writing, you wouldn't need that many stars to carry it. Like you would just need one, two, three people and let's go and like, uh super off like a random genre like a lot of people hate there will be blood because it's a lot of dialogue and it's like no dude like that's daniel day lewis oh man like that is a phenomenal acting and that's i feel that's what horror start means to start doing more of like you need to get yourself like good store like writers to begin with like something that makes sense because like a lot of the times it's recycled or it's like, we've already seen this or, Oh, they got this from that movie or, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's not very original, but like for like another horror franchise that I love, like scream, I yes. love the ghost space franchise, like aside from what lies beneath, but I feel like what lies beneath is like you said, it's that Hitchcock feel. And it's just like those two actors basically carrying the entire film and you see both of their ranges. And and it's weird because like, yes, like they're still big, but at the time when it came out, like, you know, these were still two of the biggest stars, but they weren't making this film because of a cash grab. They just found like a good, again, they find they got a good story. They got good actors. 
these were the first choices. They didn't want they they couldn't think of anybody else for these roles, and they they nailed it. And something like uh, Murder at the or, or the Express, and I'm sorry that we're picking on that one, but it's like they got all these big name stars, and it just didn't click with me. Now, as opposed to Knives Out, like yes, it did have uh, name stars, but you know these were name stars that were like not not as big as the ones from Order Express. You know, like Jamie D. Curtis. Um, fuck, I forgot that guy's name. Uh, uh, fuck the girl from Hereditary, Chris Evans. Um, we have Daniel Craig. Daniel uh, Craig. Um, it's like we have like these big stars, but um, quote unquote, they're not as big as the ones from the Murder uh, the Art Express, and also the Death and the Nile because Death and the Nile also has like big stars too. But it just it, I gravitated more to to Knives Out because just of the just of the that twist. the twist, the feel of it. It's just like you, you just you got it, and I know that when it was coming out, my friends were calling it um like a remake of Clue, and I'm like, no, that's no, not a remake of Clue. Like I love no, Clue. Clue. I don't know. I like that one. Kind of disappointed me. Like I expected so much more out of it, and it broke my heart. Like no. I was like, turn it. I love, Clue. but I love it though. But I love it that it's so cheesy, and I love how they like do the different endings. Like I love that. I love. I, I that. love like, that too. Funny. I I loved it how it was and how like. It was like, it was like so, like, it was to me, it was like enough cheese to like give me that, that, like, that twist, that feel, that, that like of it. And, and this is what I found, um, in, um, in Knives Out, because it didn't take it, it took it seriously, but not too serious. And, and, yeah, because like, I love how it ended it, because like, it took something that could have been super, like, they could have got completely dark with it. And, it had all the potential to go a different route, but it did it. And it still had like a lightheartedness, even though it was kind of like sad in yeah. the end. And, and I love the ending of Knives Out, how, how it ended. But also like all it, I think it boils down to the, to the way the writer put all that detail, all that intricate detail. Cause my mom was like, you're an idiot. She's like, I already saw it in the first, in the first scene. I'm like, really? How did you saw it in the first scene? I'm like the old man says they couldn't tell you a real one from a fake one. Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yes." And this was how it was with um with what lies beneath, because like it they yes. took it everything um, was laid out in the first act. Yes, like um the like the it's just it just like so and it was it was serious like it was too it wasn't too serious but it was serious. Like they knew what they yes. were going for, and and they 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 nailed it. So, this was a a great film. Um, In the words of Eli Roth, "Smart, sexy, scary." Yeah, that's cool. He says that about true. his own film, The Last Exorcism. But I'm like, nah, Eli Roth. That goes to what lies beneath. Yeah. I'm not Eli Roth's a phenomenal director, though. His movies are the ones that till this day scare the living shit out of me. He like, is. I'll be like, I don't want to switch my lights off. <laughs> I like Eli Roth. I haven't seen all of his films, but like I, I, I like him. I like that he's a horror nerd. But <laughs> it's just that sometimes he sounds too pretentious. But he's he, like the Elon Musk of horror. No, yeah, because he's just like very um ah, like he's just like very like um 
I don't. He's cool. I love him, but like it's that bravado, it's that charisma yeah. and bravado that oh, I can only imagine what it's like to work with him. Yeah, or like I know he was married, and then that didn't last that long. He married the 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 the, the main star from a Green Inferno, and they didn't um like they. I don't know how long they lasted, but yeah, they were married for a while. Um, <laughs> you're shocked. Well, it's because like I just knew I just saw him come out on the Chelsea Handler roundtable when it was Chelsea Lady, and they were interviewing him for the last Conjuring. Oh, back when I would go to midnight premieres in the day, and um, like I remember my friend was like, "We're gonna go watch the last Conjuring." I'm like, "That's cool. You like Roth is actually on E right now, so let's watch his interview." And he was like, "It's gonna be smart, sexy, fun, creepy, this and that." Like he was just hilarious to watch on the couch there with Chelsea. So I was like, "Okay," and. The movie scared the crap out of me. I'm like, not kidding. Like, his interview was super lighthearted. And then I came out of, like, that midnight. You're like, I don't want to sleep alone tonight, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I remember, Um, I think it was, like, yeah, like, when he was on the Joe Bob's last drive-in. And he was um talking about Mother's Day, the original Mother's Day. And he was saying that in his bar mitzvah, he, he was able to, like, screen that film for him and his friends. <laughs> oh, but, like, he just, like, um. I forgot how it says it, but like, it's like he loves it because like it's it's good storytelling, but like so cheesy. But like he just uh, he just likes it. He's a, he's a, he's a he's a weird cat, but he's a cool cat. <laughs> All I gotta say. But the Conjuring, um, I mean, the last exorcism was good though. Like that one, was, like that one did have twists because most of these are like, oh, okay, I already know what's gonna happen. It's this, that, blah, blah, blah. That one, I was blindsided in the end, like. That one also had a lot of twists and turns, but he, I think he did lay it out in the front what was going to, like, in the first act, what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, we're a weirdly religious family. Like, that was laid out right there, and everybody else blew that off. Well, <laughs> on the, um, in the first act of the, the What Lies Beneath, like, I, the only things that I noticed were just, like, the, the bridge, the, the, the bridge and the cell phone, and then the, and the, the chloroform, or whatever, the paralyzer, I'll just call that. Like, like I'm glad. Like no, I know that those were brought into the third act, but like I didn't really see it. Like you know, it being laid out. But uh, and, and I guess I have to see it a fourth time to like notice these things. <laughs> alone, like my my fiance, he had he didn't see it for the first time until like this recent summer, where I was like, I was, like watching what lights beneath. He's like, what's that? I'm like, it's in my closet. Go get it down. <laughs> and we put it into the PlayStation. He was like. That Harrison Ford? I'm like, yes. And then I fell asleep halfway through the movie. He finished it and was like, that was a really good movie. And it was made in the early 2000s. Really? How come I never saw any promos for it? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I just got it from a blockbuster and that was it. Like, it became a staple at my house. Because of my ADHD, like, I will not sit down and watch a movie at the house. Like, you have to either take me to the theater or I have to be like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's go watch it. Yeah. Other than that, like, I'm not going to finish a film. And so this uh, Knives Out was one of the very recent ones to be like, okay, sit and what lies beneath two and Silence of the Lambs are always good. Like, it doesn't matter in what part I catch it in, I'll sit down and I'm going to watch it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. It's it's funny because like, I'm the same way with Back to the Future. I don't, it doesn't matter what what part of, what, of the trilogy, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's on TV. Whatever, whatever it is, I'm just gonna start seeing it because it's just nice to have it. Even if it's in the background, I just like to have it there. 
Me too with Forrest Gump. Like, I don't know why that movie just makes me feel at home. It doesn't matter in what part it's in. I'll just be like, oh, wow. And I did not see that movie for the first time till I was 21. I had What Lies Beneath and Silence on the Lambs on like the repertoire before I threw it in Forrest Gump. And then that became like the ones I watched continuously. <laughs> cool. It's so I'm so weird that way. Oh, uh, we're all weird. But a lot, of, a lot of Alfred Hitchcock and like What Lies Beneath and Silence of the Lambs do influence my writing because it's like, but then right now with the collector, uh, um, I'm having a lot of fun. Like I'm, I'm not outlining how I want it to be. And I also don't know if I want to get caught yet. Like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say now, <laughs> but say, like, yeah, like it, it comes from like what lies beneath it. It came from like that kind of writing that it's like, you keep your watcher and your reader, like keep your viewer on edge. It's like, keep them at the edge of their toes and, and have them invest in what you have to show. Yes. That's good. I love that. I love that. That's that's what kind of kept kept me coming back to summer of ninety seven because it's like nineteen ninety seven. Sorry, I just like I'm like okay, so I'm falling in love with these girls. It's like and who's is one gonna die too? Like like who is it? Who is it? And then like they both die. It was Ethan the whole time. Like uh So I still need to figure <laughs> out what I have to do with the moms because I'm bringing in the moms back. Like they're coming back. They're coming back. Where this is not the last of them. Like, like I want them all to connect. It's going to be like my own Tolkien universe. And who I love. That's my favorite writer of all time. Tolkien and er- Ernest Hemingway. Because oh without Lord of the Rings, there's no Harry Potter, guys. I'm letting you all know. Oh, my God. Did you see the latest episode of South Park? No, because my daughter is now paying attention to what I watch on TV now. So, like, I have to wait till everybody leaves oh, so okay. I can watch my South Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna be inter- you're gonna freak out with that one because they mentioned Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. And um, I, the last one I saw was when they bashed Game of Thrones, and I love <laughs> how George R. R. Martin goes back and he's like, "I'm not obsessed with cleaners. I'm obsessed with food." Find <laughs> <laughs> it out there. Who isn't obsessed with boobs? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, for you Game of Thrones fans <laughs> okay so thank you uh, Ileana Jade for um, being with us it was so much fun um, I can't wait to have you on the episode again um, did you have fun? yes I had a lot of fun I was nervous I, I like I he was telling my fiance I don't even know what to wear like I always have like outfits picked out for the day for the weather this is what we're gonna do this is the agenda Da-da-da-da. this is the vibe today and today like today I was like Fuck, this is my first time as a guest. What the fuck do I wear? Like, just little things like that. And, then, it, and as, then you realize it's audio. No one's going to see yeah, it. So, yeah, and it's freaking cold outside. Out of nowhere, it went from like a beautiful full spring to Punxsutawney Phil being like, no bitches, it's six more weeks of winter. I meant it. Oh, God. Like earlier when I went to go pick up my bestie, it's just like, you know, like, can you take me to the store? I'm like, yeah, sure. I haven't seen you all day. Like, yeah, we're going to hang out, have fun. And I go pick her up. She's like in a dress with no jacket. And I'm like, where's your jacket? I didn't think it was going to be cold. And I'm like, go get it. No, it's okay. I'm like, okay. So then we go to the store. It doesn't match the outfit. (laughs) Probably. So then I had to do the gentleman thing and give her my coat. 
I mean, I didn't mind. Like, I, I like the I like the code. I just like wearing the code because it's kind of like a trench coat. It's a green one that I showed you. Um, I love it. <laughs> me too. I need to get me a green coat for Denver for when I'm going spring break because there's still going to be snow. Ooh, cool. Yeah, I wear it because like, I like, some rain. I'm a dork, so I like to wear like the hoodie and like you know I'll be like druid, like ooh, like cloak. It's badass. Ooh, like Oliver Queen be the arrow. <laughs> no, I was thinking Loki. <laughs> That's right. I'm a Loki. Uh, thinking Oliver Queen arrow. Yeah, I'm just thinking a trickster and uh, all the tricks I could play. Let's you know all the dark humor I have and tricks. Uh, but anyway, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate your time. I'm glad you had fun. I can't wait to record with you again. Um, it's gonna be so much fun. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I this thank is, you for you, having me. This is usually the part where I mention like events and and and, and recommendations. But I, well, as far as events, it's like. Um, I don't know what's coming up yet, so I have to look into that for next episode. But um, recommendations. Oh, God, there was a show that I want to recommend. But, and, you know, I think I'll just, I'll just recommend season four of Disenchantment. It's out. It's funny. I saw the first two episodes. I don't want to, like, abense them too much, but, like, it's really good. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's my recommendation. Do you have any recommendations? Um, well, for shows, The Tinder Swindler. It's not horror. But it's kind of terrifying how these women did not notice he misspelled diamond and said he was a diamond prince and he condom and he's now out living rich his best life. Yeah. And also, uh, I remember the YouTube channel now. It's called Criminally Listed and he takes crimes and he delves into them. And that's where I created a Collector in Houston because it's based off of the Texas Killing Fields. The movie was so disappointing. Damn. You know, I just. They did not focus. I just realized that um, that I that for those who haven't listened to your podcast and that haven't heard Summer of 1997, I think I just spoiled it for them in this whole recording. <laughs> so I'm pretty. They haven't read the collector though. They can read the collector and their Spring Break 1998. Yeah, it's not a set of stone thing. Still, like we don't know what's gonna happen with this killer. Is he gonna get caught? I don't know because I'm still super iffy. And then I'm writing COVID notes because I'm throwing COVID in there. So, um, yeah, it's going to take a while. <laughs> you could do a choose your own adventure. Like, this is what happened. But but this is what really happened. I'm, I'm, I'm funny you mentioned that because I have goosebumps right here that I just picked up from the book fair. Oh. And they have those for like, if you went this way, go to page this way and this is the way it's going to end. Cool. Oh, well. Uh, well, thank you again for being here. Um, I cannot wait to record with you again. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you and your time. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me and actually taking the time to watch what lies beneath. A lot of people are like, oh, okay, let's go. Cool. Just... Oh, no, I, I, I go into it. Like, you know, I watch the film. I take notes. I, I try to find as much information as I can and... And I just love to talk about film. Like, that's what the whole show is about. Whether it's horror, action, genre, like, whatever. Like, you know, I'll go into it. Like, there's every film has a story about its how it's made. And if, if the film's not good, then, like, the story of how it's made is even better. So I'm glad you recommended this film. I'm glad, like, it, it's, it, I finally saw it. It's a great film. It's a great watch. And, you know, I hope other people agree. And if they don't agree, then they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> they don't agree. Well, well, I'm sorry. That's sad. But I hope you don't find the one about the killer tire better than this one. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. 